Welcome to the Body Beautiful Christian Podcast. In this riveting episode, we journey through the spiritual battlefield of manipulation and truth. We begin by reestablishing the dark ties between manipulation and witchcraft and revealing how these covenant-breaking spirits can lead us astray from God's path and cause us to come into demonic covenants unknowingly. Then we'll delve into the power of truth, drawing inspiration from Micaiah the prophet's unwavering commitment to God's word amidst a sea of false prophets. And finally, we unmask the insidious nature of flattery, a deceptive tool often used to manipulate and control. Throughout this exploration, we underscore the importance of aligning our words and actions with God's truth, resisting the allure of manipulation, and standing firm in our faith. This episode is a reminder that we don't have to give in to the pressures of others. We can always choose to stand on the truth, even if it means going against the crowd. So join us as we illuminate the path to spiritual integrity and divine alignment. Well, hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Body Beautiful Broadcast, where our purpose is to beautify the body of Christ, spirit, soul, and body. It's time to get the bride prepared for the return of her soon coming king. Well, I'm Minister Allegra, and I'm always so happy and excited to be here with you. And of course, I'm excited to be here with you because of who is here with me. He is my favorite person and my best friend, the most important person on this earth. He is none other than Holy Spirit. Glory to God. He is the host of this show and I am his co-host. Hallelujah. Well, if you are joining us for the very first time, we'd like to take this time to welcome you in the name of the Lord and to thank you for joining us. And we pray that you will be blessed. If you are a return listener, welcome back, guys. We're always so thankful that you have made us part of your teaching routine. Glory to God. All right, everybody, grab your Bibles, your pen, papers, pencils, tablets, whatever it is that you use to take notes, because we're about to get into this teaching. But before we do, let us pray. Father in heaven, we glorify you, God. We magnify you. Hallowed be your precious name. Hallowed be your holy name. You are holy, God, and we praise you. Lord, we stand in the reverential awe of you, declaring that you are the sovereign God. You are our God. You are our King. Hallelujah. Lord, we yield to you. We submit ourselves to you, and we... Thank you for assembling us for this time to hear what is on your heart, to hear the revelations that you are releasing to us today, Lord. And I decree that we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, and we also have hearts to receive and to move on the very things that you are instructing us to do. And so, Father, I thank you for the anointing that is on me. Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak freely as you desire. I yield my vocal cords to you and I will not quench you. And so I thank you for the anointing that is on this teaching. It shall go forth unblocked, unstopped by any demonic force in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right. So we have been talking about manipulation and witchcraft lately, because this is part of, um, 
it's the series where we're looking at, you know, what, um, we're looking at the works of the flesh. And so our foundation text, there's two for, um, for these teachings come from first Romans chapter eight, verses five through, um, 14 and no five through yeah, five through 14 and also Galatians chapter five verses 19 through 21. And again, we've been looking at that in the King James, the Amplified classic, as well as the passion translation for both of those scriptures. And so I'll read Romans um, chapter eight, verse five. And it says, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. This is a a passion translation. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. Now Christ lives in he lives his life in you and even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So, beloved ones, The flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. Verse 14, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit spirit. King James version of that says those, um, who are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay. And we know that sons is referring to your development, your maturity in, um, in Christ. And so now moving on to Galatians chapter five, um, verses 19, we're looking at the self-life or the works of the flesh still in the passion translation because of the topic that we're dealing with today. Now, the cravings of the self-life are obvious, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. Okay. And so when we look at verse 19, it says that the cravings of the self-life or the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God and manipulating others. And so actually that literally means witchcraft. Okay. So manipulation and witchcraft are synonymous as far as, um, you know, the works of the flesh. All right. Now, 
when we, um, just a recap, so we've defined manipulation as the act of manipulating someone in a clever or unscrupulous way. So why is manipulation considered witchcraft? It seeks to control the thinking, actions, and choices and decisions of another. We're seeking to control others to do what we'd like to see done. We're not allowing God to, um, we're not allowing what God has provided us, which is free will, to operate. And we take on the role of God to control situations and people rather than letting God be God. And so we know that really what happens here is that manipulation is considered witchcraft because it goes against the will of God. Now, this is something that we also need to understand and need to know that when we talk about witchcraft, actually, um, you know, one of the older definitions for, you know, uh, for those who practice witchcraft, we know they're witches, sorcerers or warlocks. And so the original definition for warlock is an oath or a covenant breaker. So one who breaks oaths, oaths or one who breaks covenants, they're a deceiver. And so in a greater sense, these are covenant breaking spirits that are trying to come against the word of the Lord. Okay. So in light of this truth, manipulation is used by these covenant breaking spirits to come against the word of the Lord in your life and to manipulate you into doing, speaking and acting in a way that will cause you to come into covenant with something ungodly. God is focused heaven. God is focusing heavily on covenants and agreements in this time. And so this means that we really need to be mindful of what comes out of our mouths, right? So the words from our mouths, we know that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so the words that come out of our mouths will cause us to come into agreement and into covenant either with God or with hell. All right. So the words that come out of our mouths will cause us to come into agreement with either God or hell. So we need to be mindful of these covenant breaking spirits that are coming to pull us out of the will of God and to cause us to break covenants with, uh, with what he says. And so we know that God deals with our hearts and we know that it's always a position of our hearts with, um, with things concerning him. And so he puts things before us so that we can always make a clear choice and decision for ourselves on which way we like to move so that our decisions are of our own doing and never by coercion. Now, the powers of darkness work by coercion, right? To force us into making choices, to manipulate us into making choices, but God does not do that. All right. He allows us to operate on our own free will. Okay. And so we have been saying that manipulation is not of God. It's of the devil because number one, manipulation is fear-based. It's based in fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Manipulation uses coercion. As I was just saying, manipulation also uses um, gossip and slander. Okay. And it uses mind control. Manipulation also uses deception. It is steeped in a lying spirit and a perverse spirit. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Manipulation is full of pride because it says that I can control this person or situation. Manipulation is rebellious 
because it's going against the will of God. And we know that it's the spirit of rebellion. And 1 Samuel 15, 23 tells us that um, that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquitous and idolatry. Okay. And so that goes to the next point that manipulation is idolatry because you are revering your own desires over what God wants. As we've been talking about in Romans, you know, eight, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Okay. Now, what are some of the ways that we manipulate others? Okay, I'm doing a quick recap because this week we're going to get into a different topic of this. So why do we manipulate others? One of the main reasons why is because we don't trust God or his word to be true. We might say that we do, but in our hearts, we really don't believe it. So we don't trust him to carry us through. We don't trust him to deliver us. And we don't trust him to bring about a good result. Even though he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. And these are thoughts of an expected end of hope and a future. Okay, and so we also manipulate others, especially in the body of Christ. Um, we manipulate others to get what we want. On the leadership side, we guilt people into serving us. We guilt people into staying in our churches, staying in our ministries, and essentially um, uh, releasing curses over people if they decide to leave and go someplace else. Um, we guilt people into or manipulate people into tithing and sowing and large offerings. Uh, if we fully trust what God says to do what he says, we would not have to manipulate people into doing that. The other side of it is that people who are um, very large donors tend to manipulate the church leaders. And, you know, we know that God loves a cheerful giver and uh, giving should also come from a place of worshiping God. But we have those who use their donations and the size of their tithes and offerings to influence or to manipulate the pastor into preaching the type of word that they want to be taught. And they often threaten to leave the church because you know, when the word starts convicting them of their iniquities. All right. And so these are some of the ways that it shows up in the body of Christ in church. And God is dealing with those things. Hey, beautiful. It's time to immerse yourself in the divine embrace of God's love with our beautiful and beloved journal crafted for the modern Christian woman. This journal is more than just a book. It's a spiritual companion, and it's a testament to your unique journey with God. Our journal, inspired by scripture, serves as a constant reminder of your inherent beauty and worth in the eyes of God. Each of its 120 single-line pages carries the empowering message, you are beautiful to God and you are his beloved, along with the actual scripture from Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse seven, that says, you are altogether beautiful, my love, and there is no flaw in you. This affirmation etched at the bottom of every page is a beacon of God's unwavering love for you. The beautiful and beloved journal is designed to fit seamlessly into your life. And it's the perfect companion for your daily devotions, quiet moments of reflection, or those spontaneous bursts of God-inspired creativity. 
but this journal offers more than just space for your thoughts. It's a curated spiritual journey with sections dedicated to exploring your beauty, identity, and image in Christ. It's a gentle reminder that you are God's chosen, valued beyond measure, and deeply loved. And it's an invitation to cultivate intimacy with God and to bask in His pure love. This journal is not just for you. It's a great gift of love and a tool for spiritual growth and a catalyst for deeper connections. So share it with your daughters, your friends, and the women in your life who yearn for a deeper relationship with God. The Beautiful and Beloved Journal is more than just a product. It's a movement. And it's a call to embrace your divine beauty, understand your worth, and deepen your relationship with God. It's a testament to the power of faith, the beauty of devotion, and the transformative power of God's love. Join us on this journey. Embrace your beauty. Revel in being God's beloved. And start your journey now with the Beautiful and Beloved Journal. So what are you waiting for, beloved? Pick up our beautiful and beloved journal at www.thebodybeautiful.org. Now, let's get back to the episode. And so we've talked about, you know, um, how manipulation is, is not of God. It's of the devil. We've talked about why we manipulate others. And so now we're going to look into, you know, more deeply the how we manipulate others. Okay. And so some of the ways that we manipulate others is distorting, twisting or distorting the truth. And so these are uh, facilitated by spirits of deception and perversion, a perverse spirit, which twists the truth. Okay. And so one account that I want to draw your attention to is in first Kings chapter 22. And this is an account of Ahab, um, with the prophet Micaiah. And so there's not really a lot said about Micaiah beyond, um, this chapter, I believe, but essentially what happens here is Ahab is, you know, looking to go to battle and he is asking his, uh, 400 prophets, which we actually know to be the prophets of Baal. Okay. So he's asking, um, the 400 prophets, um, do we know, where is it? Uh, oh, okay. So verse three, and King and Ahab, king of Israel said to his servants, do you know that Ramoth and, and Gilead is ours? And we keep silence and do not take it from the king of Syria. And Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to Ramoth Gilead to battle? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first, I pray you for the word of the Lord today. And so then Ahab, king of Israel, gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, here it is, and said to them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle or should I hold back? And they said, go up for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And so Jehoshaphat says, is there not another prophet of the Lord whom we may ask? King Ahab of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man, 
Micaiah, son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good for me, but evil. Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say that. Then Ahab, king of Israel, told an officer, bring quickly Micaiah, son of Imla. All right. And so with this, we see that the king Ahab is, is looking to make a decision. Yet the prophets that are around him are giving him a prophetic word that is favorable to him. And so these prophets, they're false prophets. They all, they're, they're, let's just say they're yes men. They're always going to prophesy something unfavorable to the king to flatter him, to flatter his ego. Well, thankfully there's Jehoshaphat who is saying that, mm, I think maybe we need to consult a prophet of the Lord. Ahab already knows that this prophet, uh, Micaiah is not going to tell him what he wants to hear because he is accustomed to being flattered. He is accustomed to having his ego stroked and flattered. Right. And so, you know, so he uses strong words and says, I hate him because he always says something evil. Well, it's because Micaiah is going to give him the word of the Lord. He's going to give him the truth. All right. So now let's go down, um, to, uh, verse 11 and Zedekiah son of Shanana made him horns and irons and said, thus says the Lord with these, you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets agreed saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the King's hand. The messenger who was, who went to call Micaiah said to him, he's talked to Micaiah now, behold, now the prophets unanimously declare good to the king. Let your answer, I pray you, be like theirs and say what is good. All right, I'm gonna read that again. Verse 13, the messenger who went to call Micaiah said to him, behold now, the prophets unanimously declare good to the king. Let your answer, I pray you, be like theirs and say, what is good. So in short, flatter the king, tell him what he wants to hear. All of these other 400 prophets that are here in his court, they're all saying that this is what's supposed to happen. Now you're coming in here and you're going to agree with them. You too are going to tell the king what he wants to hear. Flatter him. All right. But in verse 14, Micaiah says, as the Lord lives, I will speak what the Lord says to me. All right. So remember what I was saying um, to you the other day that what manipulation does is it seeks to take you out of the, it goes against the will of God. Okay. It goes against the will of God and manipulation uses um, they're, they're oath breaking and covenant breaking uh, spirits, spirits of deception that cause you to come into covenant with something other than God. Okay. Causing you to do something outside of the will of God. Now here we have King Ahab who is, you know, who has these prophets that are manipulating him using flattery because they like their position in court and they're telling him, go ahead, King, you're going to be successful, right? But that's not what God had planned. 
God actually had planned the opposite for him. Okay. And so here's Micaiah saying, no, I am not going to be manipulated into coming into agreement with these false prophets. I am going to only stay true and work with the spirit of truth, Holy Spirit, to release the true word of God to the king, whether he likes it or not. Okay, now it's time for our Selah moment. This is where we pause for a moment to think about what we just covered. In the first segment, we explored the profound connection between manipulation and witchcraft as highlighted in Galatians chapter 5. And then we reestablished that manipulation defined as the action of manipulating someone in a clever or unscrupulous way goes against God's will. We also learned from the original definition for sorcerers and warlocks that they were historically known as oath breakers and deceivers. So in light of this, we see that these manipulating spirits represent covenant breaking spirits that aim to defy the word of the Lord. And we discovered that manipulation is a tool that's used by these spirits to lead us into ungodly covenants, influencing our thoughts, influencing our words, and also influencing our actions. It's a stark reminder that our words hold immense power as they can align us with either God or hell. This means that we need to be very mindful of what we say and also what we do. The coercive nature of manipulation stems from both rebellion and also our lack of trust in God's promises. So here are some things to consider. One, how can you become more mindful of the words you speak and the agreements that you make? Two, how can you deepen your trust in God's faithfulness and resist the temptation to manipulate others or situations? And three, how can you trust God more to do what he says that he will do? I want you to take a moment to pause and reflect and consider how the insights shared in this segment can, can transform your perspective on manipulation and empower you to align with God's will. The words from our mouths have power and they can be used to either build up or tear down. So we need to be very careful about the words that we speak because they can have powerful impacts on our lives and the lives of others. And they can also determine who we're in covenant with. In the second segment, we delve deep into the various ways that, manip that we manipulate others, focusing in on the act of twisting or distorting the truth. We explore the compelling account from 1 Kings chapter 22, where King Ahab and Micaiah the prophet were at odds. Ahab surrounded himself with 400 false prophets who were all in the practice of always prophesying what he wanted to hear, ensuring their positions of favor. So when a lying spirit was placed within their mouths, they couldn't discern the difference. However, when Micaiah was summoned, he faced pressure to conform to the false narratives and was told to agree with all of the other prophets. But yet Micaiah stood firm, refusing to be manipulated into twisting God's word and delivering a false prophecy. 
His unwavering commitment to truth serves as an inspiration for all of us to resist manipulation and to always align ourselves with God's truth. So here are some things to consider. One, I want you to reflect on a time when you witnessed or maybe you experienced the twisting of truth for manipulative purposes. How did that make you feel? Two, I want you to think back, are there, or think currently, <laughs> are there areas in your life where you have been tempted to compromise the truth for personal gain to please others? And be honest. Three, how can you cultivate better discernment to recognize when the truth is being distorted or manipulated? And four, what steps can you take to ensure that your words and actions align with God's truth, even in challenging situations? Manipulation is a form of deception and control, and it's a way of getting what we want, even if it means hurting or deceiving others. When we manipulate others, we're essentially saying that we don't trust the other person to make decisions that are agreeable to us. And we need to be careful about the ways that we use our words and actions. We definitely do not want to be used by the enemy to manipulate others or to manipulate situations. So here are some final thoughts. I highly encourage you to read for yourself 1 Kings chapter 22. The story of Micaiah the prophet is a great example of how we can resist manipulation. Micaiah was told by the messenger that he must agree with what the other prophets had said. However, Micaiah refused to be manipulated and he made up his mind to only agree with what God has said. This is a powerful example of how we can stand up to manipulation. We don't have to give in to the pressures of others. We can choose to stand on the truth, even if it means going against the crowd. So I encourage you to follow Micaiah's example. Stand up for God's truth. Don't give in to the pressure. And let Micaiah's unwavering commitment to God's word inspire you to also stand firm in your convictions and speak truth into every situation and trust God to provide for you. Remember, true power lies in authenticity and genuine connections, not in manipula manipulative tactics. I hope this Selah moment serves as a powerful reminder to put into practice the things that you're learning here and empowers you to recognize and resist manipulation in your own life so that you can make conscious choices that align with God's values and align with God's plan. And don't forget to share your thoughts and questions in the listener messages. Okay, in the next segment, we'll explore additional insight from Micaiah's account, and then we'll delve deeper into unmasking manipulation, this time looking at the power of flattery. All right, guys, let's move on to the next segment. Are you ready? Let's resume. So uh, if you look a little bit further in, let's go to 15. So he came to the king, Ahab, and said, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle or should we hold back? And he answered, go and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. And so he must have said a tongue in cheek, you know, sarcastically, because the king now says, verse 16, how many times must I charge you to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? 
And he said, I saw Israel scattered. This is Micaiah again. He said, I saw Israel, all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he will prophesy no good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all of the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? One said this way, another said that way. Verse 21, then there came forth a spirit of whom I'm about to tell and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go forth and be a, get this, I will go forth and be a lying spirit in the mouths of all of his prophets. The Lord said, you shall entice him and succeed also. Go forth and do it. So the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all these prophets. And the Lord has spoken evil concerning you. But Zedekiah, son of Shenanah, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way went the spirit of the Lord from me to speak to you? Essentially, who do you think you are? I'm the prophet here. Micaiah said, behold, you shall see on that day that when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself, Ahab, king of Israel said, take Micaiah, carry him back to Anon, the governor of the city and to Joash, the king's son. And say, and say, the king says, put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread and water of affliction until I come in peace. All right. So this really loaded here. So essentially what has happened is that Micaiah is telling, he's flat out telling Ahab, these prophets are lying to you. They are false prophets. They are not telling you the truth. The Lord allowed a lying spirit to be placed in their mouths, but yet you are ready to believe them rather than believe me who is coming to you with the word of the Lord. They are telling you that you are going to be successful, but the word of the Lord from the mouth of God says that you will fall. Okay. And so we can see how a lying spirit, a, a spirit of deception will come to manipulate, to twist the truth, to manipulate something into getting you to do something else. All right. So that's one of the ways that, um, that a lying spirit works. All right. So other ways that manipulation uh, manifests is through making accusations against people. We also use gossip and slander to manipulate people into doing what we want to have done. Okay. And so here's another one that we're really going to dig into, take some time to move into this. And we touched on it a little bit when we're talking about, you know, the prophets, the false prophets, that oftentimes they will say things that are favorable to the king because they like their status and their position in the court. They like the influence that they have. They like the proximity that they have to power. 
All right. And so this big way that the Lord said, I want to talk about is flattery. All right. So we're going to dig into this one a lot. Now, flattery is defined as false praise. It's also defined as commendation bestowed for the purpose of gaining favor and influence or to accomplish some purpose. Again, the definition for flattery, false praise, commendation bestowed for the purpose of gaining flavor of flavor, (laughs) gaining favor and influence or to accomplish some purpose. And so flattery is often used to get what you want. It's steeped in manipulation by deception. All right. There's that deception again, that lying spirit again. All right. Telling you what you want to hear so that you do what we need for you to do. Flattery is not genuine. There's always an ulterior motive. And so with flattery, you appear a certain way yet again to get what you want. Okay. You appear a certain way to get what you want. Flattery boosts pride and it also puts pressure on people. And so this one, we're going to have to take some time to get into that. Um, So we also see that people flatter for position, favor, and power because people want a seat at the table and will only use, will often use flattery to get it. They don't really like you, but they'll flatter you to get what they want. All right. Time is run down. We're going to pick up in this place, really digging into flattery um, at the next broadcast. So until I see you all again, remember you are beautiful to God and you are his beloved. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Body Beautiful Podcast. But before you go, there are three quick things that I want you to do. First, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for new episodes every week. And connect with us here and on our social media platforms to keep the conversation going and share with us your journey and testimonies. It'll be so awesome to see you there. The quick links are right here in the show notes. Second, Don't be a stranger. Head on over to our website at www.thebodybeautiful.org and join our community of kingdom bodybuilders by signing up to be a part of our exclusive mailing list. You'll be the first to know about upcoming workshops, events, exclusive merch, and all the latest buzz related to the Body Beautiful mission. And finally, while you're at our website, Don't forget to pick up a copy of my latest book, Beautiful and Beloved 31 Day Day Devotional. It's the perfect way to help you embrace your beauty, value, and worth to God and know that you are truly His beloved. And that's at www.thebodybeautiful.org. Well, that's it for now. So until next time, guys, always remember that you are beautiful to God and you are His beloved. Be blessed. Thank you.